NBA Strayer. How are you going? There you go. It is NBA Strayer. <laughs> it is COVID, Jimmy. It's Thursday, May 5th. It's gonna be May. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> the Squid and I watched a bunch of Star Wars yesterday. I didn't even think about it being May the 4th. That was pretty great. You know what he loves? The Lego Star Wars. He absolutely goes absolutely a cropper for it. And it's pretty funny. So I'm like, all right, this is fine. Anyway, I'm your host, James Clements. Hashtag Dad Strayer. Uh, I'm a writer sometimes, so whomst ever wants to pay with that sweet, sweet folding stuff. Here, giving you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of a crazy NBA playoffs. It's all happening. Uh, we're repping Strayer a bit as well, so we do. But Ben Simmons is out there getting back surgery. Got his back smashed out. Tyler Hero won sixth man of the year. We've got the Charlotte and Lakers coaching searches. I've got COVID. Old mate's got COVID. It's chaos. Anyway, playoffs. Uh, we've got all four game twos talked about today. Obviously, didn't do a show yesterday. Probably just as well. Squid and I ran around, caused some havoc. It was great. Uh, but we watched a lot of basketball. <laughs> this kid has watched a lot of basketball the last couple of days. Either way, uh, so I'm going to talk about all four game twos. We'll look at the state of each second round series as well. Uh, we'll talk about the game wraps. We've got a That's Not a Knife. Old Mate, No Mate, Spud of the Night, Better Lonzo Ball. We'll chuck in a dickhead of the week because there'll be no show tomorrow because there's no games. Weird, right? I'll talk about that later. I'll go to Mianaz, the unpopular opinion of the day. And our back take house. We were serving up a flame grill take. There's Australian player watch. <laughs> It'd be nice if one of them hit a shot. Jesus. Anyway, and Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Award and the NBA Australia game previews and picks for Saturday and Sundays. Game threes, because that's when we're going to be back doing another show. We're going to do a Sunday show. How good's that? And then we'll finish off this today's show with a classic cooking with Bainesy, because it's basically the end of a week. So let's get into it. Episode 809 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls. And you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Or the COVID attack, if you're obviously me, my household. Uh, (laughs) Uh, The big problem is obviously old mate uh, getting it. That sucks because she's copped it worse than I have. So not ideal. You can still hear that I'm a bit nasally. My throat's a bit sore, but... Otherwise, I'm doing fine. But appreciate all the uh, very, very, very kind words from everybody. Sending messages of support. Those who have actually had COVID as well have hit me up. I'm going, Jimmy, just do this, do that, do that. And I'm like, this is awesome. So <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm just like, fingers crossed the squid doesn't get it. That's all I'm after. Because uh, he's a, uh, you know, it's just that much tougher when it's a squid. The best part was he's got these long, 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 long locks. And old mate just got so bored today. She put his hair up in a ponytail. The first time ever. And he's like, fuck it hell. This is great. <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker looks like he's going to lead a surf safari north of fucking Byron and charge like backpackers <laughs> through the fucking nose. <laughs> ah, that's great. Anyway, right, let's get into today's show. The way we start every show here at NBA Straight with the Daily. Whip around at least two days' worth of uh, gear today. Hey, uh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, a.k.a. a.k.a. Box Hill Benny, a.k.a. Benny the Bricky. Just like uh, actual Brickies. Needs a bit of back surgery. <laughs> Carrying all those bricks. Uh, bit of a tough one for Benny, right? So I've got a couple of questions here. A, 
Uh, so he was cleared to play in game four. Copped a bit of a setback, and now he needs back surgery. <laughs> How fucking bad was that setback? Anyway, uh, this is going to be a microdiscectomy procedure to uh, basically sort out the pain that's in his herniated disc in his lower back. Now, I don't know about you, but I've said it from day fucking one. We never fuck with backs on the old NBA Australia. Every time I've had a back problem, it sucks ass. Anybody Talk to anybody who's had a back problem. It's like, yeah, you just can't do fucking anything. Same goes for feet. Feet and backs, they're fucked. Anyway, this is going to take three to four months of rehab after the uh, surgery. And I love some of the reporting of this. It is expected to be fully recovered to return to the court well ahead of preseason training camp in September. But it is Ben Simmons, so we're all going to like, yeah, maybe, we'll see how we go. What do you reckon? Love it. Uh, of course, I think I tweeted out and mentioned on the old uh, socials, this news popped up this morning and my first, my, my first three thoughts are like, is it spinal insertion surgery? B, <laughs> did, he, did his missus smash his back out that badly? <laughs> and C, Oh, God, it's from gaming, isn't it? He's just got bad posture as he's, like, shredding fools on Warzone. Anyway, look, but my point is always going to be I want Ben Simmons out on the court playing basketball. It's what I fucking love watching. He, in full flight, is a thing of beauty. Let's get him back out there. So best of luck with his recovery. Hopefully it all goes all right. Love Ben Simmons. Get out there soon. I want to see every team at full strength all the time. Give me Semo. Give me KD. Give me Kyrie. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, so that was a bit of a interesting sort of tidbit, right? So considering the fact that we were that close to seeing him actually maybe play in game four, it turns out maybe, maybe not. So here we are. Yeah, anyway. I'll talk about that again one more time later. But uh, that's all the info we've got at the moment. So hopefully the surgery's all good. Hopefully it's all fucky and sorted. But back surgery is a big step, isn't it? There goes my hero. And there goes my voice, apparently. Tyler Hero, one six man of the year. Are you ready? Can we do it? Is my voice going to hold out? Let's do it. Tyler Hero, one six man of the year. Oh, duh! Oh, God, I might die. <laughs> Jesus, Jimmy, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, he deserved it. Look, the other candidates, the fact that they were scrambling for candidates to make the top three was like a bit of a uh, dead giveaway that Tyler Hero is going to win it. Uh, because the other candidates were Cam Johnson and Kevin Love, both who, look, Kevin Love was good, Cam Johnson was really good. Cam Johnson missed a big chunk of time, so did Kevin Love. And, like, Kevin Love's uh, production dropped off precipitously once uh, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley weren't playing for the Cavs. So Tyler Hero ran away with this one. I think the odds on this right at the end of it were, like, a uh, dollar and, like, five... Not even, like, it's the zero zero five cents. It's like, oh, jeez. Is that even possible? Anyway. Uh, so the good job, Tyler Hero. Deservedly, too. He was great all year. Really, really good. Uh, who was my pick at the start of the year? I can hear you ask. It was actually Patty Mills, obviously. Uh, but six man of the year, I did have. So the two ones that I had in Jimmy's best bets. Oh, shit. Another one's hit. Tyler Hero, 11 to 1 at the start of the year. So those were my two picks. So I had uh, six-man Patty Mills, 14 to 1, and Tyler Hero, 11 to 1. Uh, my other ones, Luca and the bronze MVP odds were $5.50 and 15 to 1. Jalen Green for Rookie of the Year. If he had been playing the way he played the last two months, he would have won it. 
Uh, Darius Garland. He was a top three candidate. Scoring title. Brad Beal got hurt. What are you going to do? But hey, they had one of those. <laughs> Sweet. Ah, uh, the news. Right. So one of these games we're about to talk about. Grizzlies and Warriors. You might have noticed the mitten. Gary Payton II uh, got fucking clobbered by that shithead Dylan Brooks. <laughs> and, uh, we're going to talk about him a bit later, but he's got a fractured left elbow. So the MRI also showed some ligament damage along with the fractured left elbow. It's going to be at least three weeks. Uh, they've not ruled out a return in the NBA Finals if they make it that far. But uh, the mitten, Gary Payton II, I love him. I think this is a big fucking injury, especially against the Grizz. I'm going to talk about that in a second, but jeez, uh, it stinks because he went down really, really hard. He went down really, really awkwardly because uh, obviously he's being hit in the air and it stunk. It stunk. So blow it out your ass, Dylan Brooks. Gary Payton II, he is hoping he comes back soon. Speaking of injuries, Joel Embiid, we got a slight update today, like weirdly, in the uh, Sixers Heat game. Uh, where Chris Haynes was like, yeah, look, I was messaging with Joel, and uh, he said, yeah, he couldn't even look at his phone. The concussion symptoms and, like, the, you know, orbital socket fracture suck, and the lights were hurting his brain. You're like, Jesus. But <clears throat> said he was getting better. And there is, like, a weird sort of a uh, couple-of-day turnaround here where uh, they don't have to play for another couple of days. So maybe, I reckon, I don't think he plays game three. I don't think that happens at all. So I think in game four, we see a bit of him beat, maybe. If he's feeling good. But still, and the last little bits of news. Coaching searches. Charlotte, they're looking at Kenny Atkinson. That's smart. He's good. Love Kenny. Darvin Ham. Uh, other Millie Walker, assistant Charles Lee. And David Vanderpool. He's out there in Brooklyn. So pretty interesting that Charlotte are basically replacing James Borrego with different versions of James Borrego. Uh, assistant coach from Good Systems. Now you head coach. Good call. Uh, the Lakers, uh, Phil Jackson's helping out with the coaching search. Don't know how you feel about that. I enjoyed this. There's very much a committee in LA putting together this coaching search. And one person who is certainly significantly involved in this process is Phil Jackson. He and Kurt Rambis <laughs> looking at this. It's like, yeah, Phil Jackson and Kurt Rambis, last time they picked on a fucking coach, it was Derek Fisher in New York. Great job, idiots. Uh, but they also... Phil was involved when they picked Frank Vogel. And I think it's telling that they picked Derek Fisher over Frank Vogel. That doesn't seem smart. And uh, now Vogel's found out, you know, he's on his ass. Out he goes. Uh, But now they're looking at Adrian Griffin, Toronto Raptors assistant, Adrian Griffin, former player, and uh, Darvin Ham as well. So out there in Milwaukee. So that seems kind of smart. Uh, Speaking of other Lakers news, oh, God. I don't even know why I'm talking about the Lakers. The Lakers stink! Ah, uh, but, I don't know, Lakers fans were in a fucking massive froth the other day because uh, everyone's like, oh, Zach Levine wants to play for the Lakers. He's like, he's a free agent. They have no cap space. It's basically impossible. Oh, they could tee up a three-way trade where they get rid of Rusty Westbrook and they get some space. And then they're going to hard cap themselves anyway and they're fucked. Anyway, it just, the way that the Lakers could get any trades going to actually get any of the space and get a trade happening to bring in a Levine. Dude, in a sign trade, it's going to be a bit brutal. Right, uh, let's take a quick break so I can rest my voice and uh, then we'll come back and do the game wraps for all of the game twos in the second round series. And at the end of each of those, we'll uh, sort of talk about the series and where it sort of stands. Right after this... 
This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Do some game raps. Game raps. Game raps. Game raps. Game raps. Game raps. That's right. The game raps. Let's do this damn thing. So Boston kicked the shit out of Milwaukee. What? Yeah, they did. 109-86. No Marcus Smart. No hassles. Uh, this was from the get-go, the Celtics game. They came out like the clappers. It was like a 27-12 start. Pritchard was hitting threes. Brown was looking amazing. Giannis started 0 of 6. And then suddenly the Bucks are back in it, and off we go. Uh, but Brown hit a three before the end of the first quarter. The Seas were up 11. And it was basically a different team from game one, right? Like, in game one, the Celtics couldn't buy a bucket. This time, Jalen Brown is up and about, uh, and their defense had sort of really locked in. Even without Smart, it felt very much like they had a plan and they stuck to it. Meanwhile, Jalen Brown was hitting literally everything. He had... I think he was up to like 16 points halfway through like the second quarter. Like it was 7 of 8. 4 of 4 from downtown. It was incredible. And they just kept it up. They made well, like 13 threes, I think, in the first half. They're up 25 at halftime. Jalen Brown had 25. Giannis was 2 of 12. The Bucks' turnovers just sucked. And they kept on rolling in the third quarter. Like, Giannis kept struggling. The Bucks cut it to 14 twice in the fourth quarter, but... That was as close as they got. Like, basically, Jalen Brown was awesome early. Jason Tatum was really good late. And every time the Celtics, like, sort of offense got a little bit slow in the second uh, the second half, the Bucks were like, all right, this is where we uh, have our chance. And clank. They just couldn't buy a bucket. It was crazy. So this is like one of those release valve uh, Chris Middleton games, right? Giannis is having a brutal one. Giroux can't really get that much going. Portis is just gone skis. Uh, Blopez is in foul trouble. And even though Derek White stank for the Celtics, everybody else did heaps. Grant Williams was incredible. Little truck just out there cruising along, smashing everybody. And the Celtics, this was the exact game they needed after game one, right? So uh, the Bucks end up going 3 of 18 from downtown. 3 of 18. They had 16 turnovers. It was just a burn-the-tape game. Same way that the Celtics probably had a burn-the-tape game in Game 1. It's not often that in the same... Like, in one series in the first two games, both teams have, like, a burn-the-tape game in the first two games. But here we are. Uh, Portis, like, 13-8, and 8, 19 for Drew Holiday. He shot 7 of 20, though. Uh, Giannis with a 28-9-7 and 7 on 11 of 27 shooting, though. That was the killer. What can you do? Tough one sometimes. Uh, Paddy Connaughton had 13. Jevion Carter had much less, less of an impact. Same with Wes Matthews and J- Grayson Allen. They couldn't get anything going. Celtics, look, they basically played seven dudes, right? And it actually worked. Like, with the seven-man rotation, they shot 20 of 43 from downtown, which is incredible. That is while Al Horford and Derek White went one of nine combined. That is crazy. Uh, Jalen Brown ends up with 30. He was unreal. Like, you can't underplay... Just the impact Jalen Brown has. Like, Tatum gets all the uh, accolades, all the love, the showering of praise. And to be honest, I feel like Jalen Brown tends to be more important to their success, right? To the Celtics' success. If Brown is out there playing the defense that he was and hitting shots, like, 
they just have a completely different aspect to it rather than Tatum just goes Kobe mode and uh, drops bombs from everywhere. And that's what Tatum did in the second half, though. So if you combine the two with our powers combined kind of vibes, you're going to win a lot of games. And that's what they did. 29-8 and eight for Tatum. Al with 11-11. and 11. Time Lord was good, 10 points. Grant Williams, that was the difference, wasn't he? 21 points, 6 of 9. Nice from deep. And uh, Pritchard hit a couple of threes. Derek White got the start and uh, in place of Smart, and it was brutal. But either way, so this series is one all. And to look at where this is sitting now, right? So we're going to go back to Milwaukee. It's Algonquin for the good land. It may or may not be for Milwaukee. We have seen them just lose to Chicago at home. I think the Celtics really sort of just reestablished who they are in that game too, which is exactly what they needed to do. And they did it that quickly, which is one of those things where you go, Ime Udoka is a really fucking good coach. To take that game one loss and just go, fellas, don't worry about it. Like, it's massive. So good on him. Great coaching. Uh, the Celtics go into, like, the next game. They get, like, this massive weird break because the strange thing about the uh, schedule is that the two, the four teams that played today they actually play a game before the two team, uh, the four teams from yesterday play a game, who play on Sunday. So, yeah, they've got a couple of day, extra days. Uh, maybe Smart comes back. Maybe that gives them an extra boost, and I kind of feel good about that for the Celtics. Whereas the Bucks, look, you really felt like Boston were like, well, we can maybe try to get away with one of these without Marcus Smart and hope that Milwaukee sort of just lose their focus a little bit, having already won game one, and we can get this one. We can almost steal one at home, which is a weird way to look at it, but that's what it was. And the Bucks, it was very much like Giannis trying to do what he could and sort of stunk at times. What can you do? I think you just wipe that one off and go, right, back to it next time, fellas. And I think they're going to be very, very, very hard to beat at home in game three. I think it's going to be an absolute fucking belter of a game. I cannot wait. But this series, either way, it feels like no matter kind of what happens, it's going to be a long one, right? Like six or seven, easy. These two teams are so evenly matched. Stars on both sides, got everything. You love to see it. So there we go, 1-1. It's pretty fun, pretty cool. Another 1-1 series, the second game of Memphis hosting Golden State. And wow, 106-101, the Grizzlies win it. Uh, and geez, from the get-go, the hit by Dylan Brooks on Gary Payton the second that was nuts. GPT, GP2 goes out of the game. Dylan Brooks is kicked out. Draymond cops an elbow to the face just after and uh, goes down like he's been shot. Uh, pretty big cut on his eye, but either way. Uh, hectic, hectic, hectic first quarter after all that. Uh, the Grizzlies got up, though, and then the second half... Look, the Grizzlies didn't really get to take advantage of I think the it was really, really, really brutal with the Warriors. Their shots were not falling, but they managed to just keep their noses in it, right? Like Steph was just doing enough. Wigo was dunking on fools. Uh, and then Steph and Jordan Poole, they got going in the third quarter. Uh, basically, I don't know, it was like only 10 points between the two of them, but they just made such a big difference because they managed to pull off like a ripper, like 13-3 run at the end of the third. And they tied it up, and you're like, holy shit, what's going on? And Jarkops are hit in the face as well. He's like, I can't see, I can't see, out of his left eye. Boom, Poole gets them the lead. The Warriors get up four. The Grizzlies answer with uh, Zaire Williams. 
out of nowhere, smashing in threes. It was a chaos game to the point where Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., having played the game of his life in game one, uh, went back to his wicked old ways and fouled out with four minutes to go. Just fucking completely poleaxes Draymond in the paint. Um, who waves him off. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Jaron. See ya. Uh, it was crazy. It's like, I don't know, Jaron, bit of situational awareness. Little bit of, uh, I don't know, head on a swivel. But if you watch that play very closely, you'll see that Draymond also hooks his arm and drags him down on top of him as part of the flop. So pretty crazy. But Zaire Williams going off gave them a bit of a spurt and then Jar just carried them down the stretch. He scored their last 15 points with four minutes and like a bit to go. He just went right around dudes. He's like hitting little jumpers. The Grizz got up was like one oh uh, was like a hundred to ninety nine. He ends up with eighteen points in the fourth quarter, and he's like, "Yeah, man, couldn't really see out of my eye." It's like, "All right, cool, man." And the weirdest part was, I thought for Golden State, Steph carried a few looks late that just went clunk clunk in and out. Clay just was well off all game, right? He was he had a rough one, I'll tell you. Uh, the weirdest one was like between the two of them, you're like, "Look, I'm just so used to the heroics." It's going to happen. And then it didn't. And you're like, oh, geez. But we've seen the Warriors do this before. They stuck right with Memphis. They win game one. They almost win game two. Uh, there was a weird moment, though, I think, where um, Clay traveled, like, with 17 seconds to go. There's, like, a weird call on Draymond as well. You're like, yeah, the refs uh, may have been instructed to extend this series a little bit. But, like, the f- last few buckets by Jar to get them over the hump. The refs had nothing to do with that. What a game. He was incredible. It's up with 47. Anyway, the Warriors end up 7 of 38 from downtown. And that tells the story right there, right? The Warriors, 7 of 38. That's 18%. They're not going to do that again. Steph still had 27, 9, and 8. He went, oh, no. What did you do, Steph? What would you do? He went 3 of 11 from downtown. You'll love to see. <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Needed that one. Uh, but 27, 9, and 8. We're going 11 to 25 from the floor. Wigo ends up with uh, 16 and 9, but he goes 1 to 7 from 3. 2 of 12 from downtown for Clay, which felt like the really brutal one. He went 5 of 19 overall. Just looked a bit wonky. And Clay sort of has shown flashes of uh, brilliance, flashes of wonkiness. It's like, yeah, the dude missed two years. We can deal with that. Uh, Poole, though, he had 20. He goes 1 of 6 from downtown, though. 8 of 16 overall. That was kind of the tougher one where you need Poole to step up without Clay. How good was Cumbucket, though? The Cumbucket cometh. 9 points, 5 rebounds. He was unreal late, especially when he filled in for Draymond at points. And you're like, here we go. Let's go, Cumbucket. Uh, 4 of 4, 4 and 4 for Looney. <laughs> I mean, Draymond ends up with 6, 10, and 7 with 4 turnovers, but. Still, it was the shooting that killed the Warriors. The 18 turnovers didn't help either. Uh, the Grizzlies, meanwhile, 14 to 45 from downtown, but Jar was just insane. Absolutely insane. 15 to 31 shooting. 5 of 12 on threes. 5 of 12 for Jar. 12 of 13 at the line as well, which is pretty crazy for him. Three steals, two turnovers. A 47 point, eight assist, eight rebound game. What a game. The hype is real for a reason, right? Like, that was insane. He took that game over. It was like young LeBron shit. 
Talk about that later. And uh, Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Award. Hashtag spoiler alert. Uh, Triple J, 12 and 7, then fouls out. He was 3 of 14, though. Thanks for coming, Triple J. Uh, Dushman Bain looked really out of it. Uh, looks injured. Kind of just looks at step slow. And the shot just isn't there. 1 of 4 from 3 for his 5 points. Brandon Clark had 10 and 3. Zaire Williams, though, stepped up big time. 14 points for him. 4 of 8 from 3. DeAnthony Melton... He only had three points. He went one of four from downtown, but I feel like he played a really good game, which might be weird to say, but he had three points, eight rebounds, two steals, and three blocks, including a big one late. And Tyus Jones, hit a rough one, spud of the night sort of territory, but he just gives them sort of a steadying presence as well sometimes, especially with Bain struggling. They had to lean on him a bit too much, but here we are. Anyway, good win. So that's one all. Going back to Golden State, and now without Gary Payton the second, who knows? We don't have any uh, ruling on whether or not Dylan Brooks will play Game Three. I mean, the NBA still haven't, you know, another two days before this even gets to Game Day, so it's pretty crazy to think about, isn't it? Two more full days, and then they play again. Uh, but I think Memphis really just rested back control of momentum in this one. Like Golden State stole one. You feel like Golden State could have pretty easily won this one too. But without Gary Payton the second, it gets a bit more up in the air. The Warriors, though, I think they go home. They're not going to shoot 7 of 38 from downtown again. You think they might be all right? Hmm. Either way, 1-1, going back to San Francisco. Fun times. Who knows what's going to happen. Today's games, Miami. Shit pump Philly in their game too. Oh, geez. 119-103. Kind of just got it from the get-go, right? Like, Miami, I think they only went like 9 of 36 in game one from downtown. They went 4 of 9 the first quarter. And <laughs> they take the lead, and off they went. Like, Philly looked pretty good early. Tyler Hero just went, no, nah, I don't care. Uh, Philly were like, well, we're going to use Matty T to guard Hero, and Matty T is just giving them zilch on offense and made some really weird, weird plays. I don't know, he's killing me at the moment, Matty T. But look, Sixers... They only had three first-half turnovers. They were looking really good. James Harden was uh, better in the first half. Then fell off a cliff. And that was kind of the problem. So Miami up 60-52 to 52 at the half. He had a bit of third-quarter Tyrese Maxey again. But it felt like Tyler Hero always had an answer to Maxey. So it's pretty weird, right? They only hit two more threes in the third quarter, though. That was the big problem for the Sixers. <coughs> because I think they were 4-14 or 14 from three in the first half. Only two more in the third, and it's an 11-point game in the fourth quarter. Butler had been quiet uh, in that third, uh, up until the third quarter, and then he wasn't. He had 12 points in the third, nine assists, and just got them firing, and that was it. Seriously. Maxie had scored like 11 straight points for the Sixers, and they were like back within eight in the fourth quarter. And then, boom. The Heat just went, nah, don't care. 11-2 run from them. And the craziest part was the catalyst for it was Victor Oladipo. He played game-changing minutes. That's right, Victor Oladipo, everyone's favorite R&B crooner. Uh, it was crazy, because seriously, he had like a uh, a really, really tough layup in traffic. It got him back up 10. Then there's like a Bam out, uh, out of bio alley-oop, a Struce three. Jimmy Butler gets an alley-oop from Bam, which is neat. And then Victor tops it all off with a three. You turn around, it's a 15-point game. And, like, the Heat had a couple of uh, bad turnovers there, a couple of rough shots. It was back down to 10 with less than three minutes to go. But then, again, Oladipo just goes, fuck you. Gets two free throws after uh, two offensive rebounds and one Miami possession. Then he hits a three next time down. 
Tyrese Maxey misses a three at the other end, and that was the game. Like, even Big Yurtz got in there. You love to see it. He even scored. Yurtzman. I love it. But this was just indicative of, like, the problems with the Sixers, right? So Maxey was awesome. Again, 34 points. Got everywhere he needed to in the second half. 12 or 22 shooting. Harden, you can't say the same. He had 16 in the first half. Four points after that. Only 15 field goal attempts. He shot 6 of 15. And this is the thing, like, oh, well, James Harden, you know, when he was in Houston, they didn't have their big center. Didn't matter. He just ran the show. And it's like, this is not the same dude. He looks cooked. (laughs) And I mean, holy shit. As I joked about on, like, uh, two days ago, if you're going to bet on James Harden being in Miami and producing, yeah, no fucking chance. He looks cooked, looks slow. Doesn't know what to do when he gets in the paint anymore. So he just go, he'd usually just go past him, but he doesn't have that quick first step to get like that shoulder around the defender's body and get to the cup. And when he does even get to the cup, like sometimes he has to have like just almost an extra burst in him to get it up and over, and it's weird. Uh, 21 4 and 4 with four steals for Tobias Harris. Love that. Hey, Tobias, uh, we're down Joel and Bede. Backs against it on the road. Can you get us 30? You got a bus. 21 points it is. Classic Tobias Harris. Danny, not the box of green, was brutal. He's going to pop up again in a second. Corkmaz at eight points. Niang fouled out in 10 minutes. Just a brutal series for him so far. Matty T, also a tough 21 minutes. That's the thing. Sixers weren't deep. They lose Embiid. They're less deep. At least DeAndre Jordan wasn't an absolute train wreck in this one, but he was also pretty bad still. Uh, He and Basketball Paul just could not hang with the Heat. Uh, The Heat, meanwhile, went 14-29 from downtown. Butts had 22-6 and 12 assists. He was unreal. That second half was just <coughs> amazing vibes. Uh, Bam with 23-9-3. He shot 7 of 11 from the floor and made 9 of 11 free throws. Dominating, dominating performance. It was weird because he didn't have that many uh, rebounds going into like the second half. And then he just went, all right, cool. I'll just get everyone after this. Uh, Gabe Vincent, 7. Struess, 3-6 on triples. He had 9. PJ Tucker had a couple of threes as well, 6 points. But it was the bench mob. Victor Depo with his 19-6. He goes 3 or 4 from downtown. And Tyler, there goes my hero. 18, 7, and 3. Hero was incredible in that first half. I think he had 16 points. He goes uh, 3 or 5 from downtown. Just answered everything. God damn, he was good. But Martin, Deadman, they were handy as well. This is it. The Heat are just an insanely tough team to beat when their threes are falling. I mean, the same goes for most teams, but the Heat just have so many different options from where those threes are going to come from and where they're going to hit that when it does... I mean, today it was a little bit of Hero, a little bit of Wichter, a little bit of Struess, and then that's it. Like, pack her up, boys. So, I don't know. Miami up two zip, and it feels like the Sixers, even if they get Embiid back, it's going to be a uh, Embiid with a busted fucking face. And I think the Sixers are cooked. Like, Miami are rolling. They're terrifying when they're rolling. So, off we go. Speaking of rolling, Phoenix kicked the shit out of Dallas. 129-109. Suns got out to a really fast start. Right, off to a burner. Jalen Brunson got two early fouls in the first quarter. It was Luka versus Booker there from a bit. It was fun. Luka dropping threes and ones, looking like the Slovenian Kevin McHale. I uh, tweeted out at one point, Slovenian Kevin McHale. Love it. <coughs> He's even kind of built like him a little bit when you look at it. Anyway, uh, they got it within two at the end of the first. Shamwell got a bucket to go, but Luka was incredibly at 14 in the first uh, quarter. And nobody was missing. The Suns were 11-17. No, the Suns were 11-17. Yeah, Mavs were 12-22. But then uh, the Mavs got a bit of a roll. They took a you know 10-zip run. They take the lead. 
And then there was that weird minute where the well minute yeah there's like an offensive foul called for like I think four times in five possessions, and it just sort of started falling apart a bit for the Suns. Like they had eight turnovers at that point. We got rolling again, and then Crowder was just answering Luca buckets. You're like, oh god, is Jay Crowder the hero the Suns need? It turns out, basically, he scored not Luca scored nine straight at the end, and despite fucking the clock at the end of the half. Dallas were up by two. You're like, here we go. Watch out. And then the best part was Devin Booker went right. Fuck that. At six points straight out of the half. Skadoosh. Up go the Suns. Absolute chaos moment as well. I think just after that really sort of set the scene for about what was what was about to happen. Michael Bridges got an offensive rebound in the middle of four Mavs. He just like out jumped them all in the middle of like a sea of Mavs jerseys. It was crazy. It turns into basically a nice little feed out and then back into a uh, nice little CP jumper on the baseline. They turn an empty possession back into a four-point lead. And then they get another couple of turnovers going back the other way. You turn around, you're like, oh, shit. Like, Bridges already had, like, I think two steals basically from Luca in the third quarter and, like, deflections going everywhere. And then they started just going, hang on a second. Luca looks a bit tired. Let's start cooking this Slovenian motherfucker. Off they went. They just cooked him time and time and time and time and time and time and time again on defense. It ends up being like a 16-6 run. The Mavs missed six straight threes. There was a four-point play in there that eked them back into it. And uh, Bullock nailed a couple of threes. The game's tied again. And here we go. You're like, let's dance. This is great. But Luca, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> it was a uh, bit of a rough one for him. He looked more tired than me after I've gotten up to sort out the squid at some point in the night. And then he's woken up again. He's woken up again at like 5.30. I'm like, oh, God. I'm not going back to sleep, am I? That's what Luca looked like. He's like fighting with the crowd. It was uh, not ideal. And there was like a big three at the end of the third from the uh, Suns after a massive, awesome like touchdown pass from Booker. Bertans got caught ball watching. Uh, but then the fourth quarter was all CP3. And the start of this quarter was just one for the books. <laughs> like the three started dropping for the Suns. And there was weird turnovers and bad late shot clock shots for the Mavs. They just look shook. And then they're getting like weird offensive fouls against Brunson, who's just out of absolute fucking shocker. Chris Paul hits another shot. It's a 10-point lead, and the Mavs, they're like, oh, what just happened, man? Their goose looks completely cooked. They took a timeout. And you're like, hang on a second. Chris Paul is literally doing everything. He had nine points to start the quarter. And to assist, literally a hand in every bucket they had. Turn around, it's a 17-point lead after... Sit down. Biombo gets a dunk. It was like an 11-0 run, and it just kept going. It ends up being 21-7 run in four minutes. It went from a three-point game to a 17-point game in like five minutes. And then you turn around, it was like 110-93, and then you go, oh, hang on a second. A couple more threes. It was 122-95, and just an absolute beatdown. So... The Suns just clicked into a different gear. The Mavs did not have another one to click it into. <laughs> In fact, you could probably say <clears throat> that they just like slipped a gear. Tough scenes. They still went 17 to 41 from three, but they got they got 25 rebounds this entire game. That is crazy. Luca had 35-7. Uh, seven assists with seven turnovers. It felt like about eight more, to be honest. Uh, he did go five or ten from three. And this was one of those ones where it's like, yeah. We'll just, like, keep working Luca. We'll make it harder for him to score. 
and then we'll just torch him on defense. And that's what they did. They were actively hunting Luka. They're putting in weird switches. Even his stance on defense was just like tired and like, ah, oh, fuck. And they were just like walking around him. So for as good an defensive game he had, it was a much worse defensive one and gave up probably just as many points as he scored. Uh, and the problem was the Mavs had no one else really step up. Like Reggie Bullock hit four threes. He had 16, but Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson, 20 points between them, but they shot what? Like six of 22? Yeah, not ideal. Three of eight from three. Just, <laughs> it's not good enough. Uh, Kleber, oh, a three on threes. He had nine points. Batans hit three threes. He had nine points, but Dorian Finney-Smith was in foul trouble. He had absolutely nothing. He had 20 minutes. He had two points, one or two shooting, and just couldn't get amongst it because of the fouls, and that's it. The Mavs just didn't have that sort of uh, glue stuff floating around to pop in. And uh, the Suns, meanwhile, shot 64%, which is a franchise playoff record. They went 13 of 25 from downtown. I'm no math magician, but 13 of 25 is pretty good. And Chris Paul, what a game. 28, 8, and 6. That's 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 11 to 16 shooting. This is after his perfect game the other day. Unbelievable. Booker has 30 on 11 of 19 shooting. He hit 5 threes, 5 of 8 from 3 for Booker. Unreal. Crowder was on fire early as well. And really <clears throat> sort of set the tone and kept them in it for big swathes of the game. 15.7 rebounds, 3 of 5 from downtown. Aiton was in foul trouble. McGee was in foul trouble. They had Biombo out there. Aiton ends up with 9-3. Bridges, 11 points, uh, including a sick oop late. Uh, Cam Johnson, 9 points at a couple of threes. Sham Wow with 1-2 or two from downtown. Either way, the state of this series is uh, the Suns are up 2-0. And it's just a horrifying reminder that it feels like you have to play completely perfect basketball to actually beat the Suns. And the Suns won't let you play perfect basketball. Like, the Mavs eking by Utah. It's one of those things where you go, yeah, but Utah are actually pretty shit. And defensively, you can very easily go, right, well, there's the easy part there. There's the hole. We'll attack that. And the Suns do not have that. So without Brunson, without Spencer being able to do much, and without Bullock and Finney Smith being able to sort of fill in the gaps on the side, the Mavs can be in a lot of trouble if they don't win game three. Just saying. All right, so fun times, crazy stuff. Two zip, two zip in two uh, of the in today's games, and then one all in the uh, other series that are on the same day. So that's pretty fun. All right, let's do an NBA Australia approved performance of the night. <laughs> that's not a knife. That's a knife. All right, a couple of big ones for me. Jalen Brown, the tone that he set in that first game between uh, we know well the first game of the games that we covered today. Uh, in game two of the Celtics and the Bucks, the way he came out and the tone that he set was just like, nah, fuck it, we're not losing this. He was incredible. 30 points, 11 of 18 shooting, 6 of 10 from downtown, 6 assists, 5 boards, 2 steals and a block. He was unreal. And then there's two more. CP3 today, 28 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. The way he did it, though, the way he just took, he completely Carly marred the match, right? Just reached into their fucking chest <laughs> and tore out their heart. And uh, it was nuts. Like, watching him do this time and time again is just fucking crazy. But it really was like those first three minutes of the fourth, fourth quarter that I talked about where he had nine points himself and had two assists as well that was just unbelievable. Because Brunson hit a three, Chris Paul answers, and then away they went. So, unbelievable. But Ja Morant, holy shit. He became the first player since, I think, LeBron did it 
in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals against Detroit, right? Back in 07, when uh, LeBron scored 25 straight for Cleveland. Uh, I remember those guys, Cleveland. Cleveland! Uh, ja, yeah, final 15 points or more in a playoff win. First one since LeBron. 47-8-8. Eight eight. What a game. 15 of 31 shooting. 5 of 12 from downtown. 12 of 13 at the stripe. Three steals, a couple of turnovers. But just push that team to heights where you're like, he is a fucking superstar. We love him. The city of Memphis loves him. And he was doing everything right. I couldn't believe how good he was in that fourth quarter. 18 points in the fourth. Just took over that game in a game that involved Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. And uh, it was immense. Ja Morant, that is a fucking knife. I'll tell you that much. Jalen Brown, CB3, same. And uh, just the heat. That's a bit of a knife. But how about, I'll tell you what, the lady in the heat dress, Red Miller Lolly. Uh, she's like a, you know, big, I think, opera singer. But either way, rocking up in a very fancy dress that's all heat gear. Pretty gnarly. Good on her. Spud of the night, though. Spud, 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 of the night. Spud of the night. A couple of guards for you. Derek White, 28 minutes, 0 of 6 from the floor for the Celtics. Bit of a rough one. Five assists, two turnovers, five fouls, zero points. Tyus Jones, Tyus Jones, Tyus. Three points on one of seven shooting, 0 of 5 from three. But my favorite's probably Danny Green, not the boxer Danny Green. Three points, one of nine from downtown, one of 10 overall. 23 minutes, a game they lost by 18 points. He was a minus 18. Oh, Danny. Oh, Danny. Actually, uh, well, they lose by 16 in the end, but still, um, bit of a tough one. But Danny Green, one of 10, one of nine from downtown. Just need, this is it. When it comes to your sixes and just how shallow that team is, like if they don't get like two threes from Danny Green, they're cooked. And if he goes one of nine, there's no chance they win. Uh, Easy one for old mate, no mates. 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 Who's got no mates today? Dylan Brooks. Uh, Dylan Brooks broke the code. That's how I see it, says Steve Kerr. Not often that you get a coach ragging on an opposition player for being a shithead. So the thing is, like, nobody really came out and defended Dylan Brooks. No one was like, oh, it's just a hard foul. It's like, nah, it's dirty as fuck. What are you talking about? And Steve Kerr said it uh, during the broadcast, right? Like, at the quarter time break, he's like, that wasn't a hard, that wasn't a, that wasn't hard fouling. It was dirty. And it's like, it wasn't a, you know, it's like, it was literally a dirty play. It's like, yeah, yeah, it was. So. Dylan Brooks, to have all your mates stand up for you, which was, uh, that's right, not many. Definitely old mate, no mates. Pants of the night. Grayson Allen got smoked by Jalen Brown. And yeah, you love to see it. <laughs> Very easily. Uh, Air Canada. Maple Jordan. Andrew Wiggins went right through Brandon Clark with a sick dunk. Uh, and Pants of the night as well, like, how about all those dweebs that LeBron hates uh, for voting on basketball? I love this. Jar so damn tough. There's no way Jar should have even been in MIP talks. This guy is a flat-out star emoji and always have been. Real basketball brain emojis? No, not the majority of dweebs who don't even watch basketball on those voting ballots. All right, I said my piece about the voting shit earlier this week about uh, from Draymond. But seriously... 
You reckon LeBron watches more different teams than like a fucking voter? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? I gotta watch some scouting reports. Nah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna stay home tonight and just like yeah, I don't want to go out. Don't have a game, so I'm just gonna stay home and watch League Pass. Good on you, LeBron. So many dweebs out there. Better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you gonna get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. We coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. There goes my Tyler Hero. 18, 7, and 3, 6 of 10 shooting, 3 of 5 from downtown. And of course, Tyrese Maxey. God damn, what a game. It is crazy to watch Maxey basically just do like a weird combination of what James Harden used to do. If you mix James Harden with like Allen Iverson, <laughs> Max is just out there crushing it. He was so good today, and it was all for nothing because no one else stepped up. Like Tobias Harris, hello, I'm here, Jimmy. It's like no, Tobias, sit down. Uh, 34, 12, 22 shooting, one of four from uh, downtown. But as I said, sort of just did got zero support. Maxi, what a great game, uh, and both of them better than Alonzo Ball. And again, a really easy one for ticket of the week. <laughs> Dickhead of the week. I mean, it's a bit redundant, but yeah, Dylan Brooks. Uh, that was because it really was like I've seen fuck all people come out and say, "Yeah, oh, I wasn't that dirty." It's like, nah, we all pretty much understand that the dude's left the fucking floor, and the way that he just didn't even give a fuck about where the ball was. You're like, yeah, that's just dickhead moments. So, good job, Dylan Brooks. He just won Dickhead of the Week. I think I tweeted out as well. He's like the rare player. Where if he's on your opposition team, you hate to play him. And if he's on your team as well, you still fucking hate him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's Pat Beverly kind of vibes. Ugh, but even dirtier. Right, let's do some quick DNRs right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some ENRs. Brought to you by the NBA Australia shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Go on, go do it. People! Get your merch, get your merch. Wear it! Get your merch, get your merch. Get your merch, get your merch. You go get a hoodie or a t-shirt. NBAstraday.com slash shop or just click on the links on the socials. Right, some ENRs. Kendrick Perkins said, that's a flagrant two on Brooks and should be suspended for game three. He's out of line for that real talk. Um, Because <laughs> it was so early in the game, I'm going to say nah. Like, it was just a flagrant two foul. He got kicked out. I don't think they suspend him as well, right? Yeah, so <laughs> I think he's out of line. Yeah, I don't know if he gets suspended game three, though. We'll find out. Uh, Jez Oz, he says, Jimmy, this Dubs Grizz series is looking like a budding rivalry, especially if it goes to seven games and someone gets booted in each of them. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. Uh, it's weird because, yeah, like it's already a rivalry because they keep sort of bringing up the fact that uh, the last time I think the Grizzlies were... In the second round, it was against the Warriors, right? In 2015. And it's funny because that's the series that I keep talking about because we were there for game four in Memphis when the Grizzlies were up 2-1. And this is the first Warriors title, right? And the Warriors 
Down 2-1. Draymond and Steph go out and get shit-faced on Beale Street on the uh, night before. Come in, play the game. I have, like, a fucking awesome time because uh, Memphis, I just loved it. And uh, they kicked the shit out of them in Game 4 and then went on to win the title, obviously. And that was, like, you know, the grit and grind Grizzlies that everyone loved, especially Memphis. They were just really about that. And so, like, the rivalry is already there, but, of course, you have zero players remaining from, like, 2015 on the uh, 2022 Grizzlies because they're so young and awesome. But to me, this almost feels like the a flip side of that series where you've got the young up-and-comers, a.k.a. the 15 Warriors, playing against the old heads, the grit and grind Grizzlies, right? That's what these Warriors are now. So I love it. I love it. If we get somebody booted every game, let's fucking go. <laughs> like... Draymond goes game one. He also flips off the crowd. I'm loving this. Like, it's not even a budding rivalry. I think it's now just a rivalry. So can I say nah to that because it's actually just a rivalry? Like, the problem is the next two games are going to be a Golden State. And the problem is that is now at the weird arena in San Francisco where it's like all fucking rich people and a bunch of dorks. I've been to games at the old Oracle, which was over in uh, Oakland, right? So you got to get across the uh, across the bay on the BART, jump off. You're in the middle of fucking, like, because you've got the uh, the Oakland A's, the Coliseum right there as well. So it's a weird sort of spot to get to, but also it's like their fan base was like a very different sort of demographic for years and years and years and years, and then they've had this sustained, you know, period of success. And it's changed the sort of uh, vibe at a Warriors home game where it would have been in like 15, 16, 17. And so I'm fascinated to see what happens in game three and four and how that home crowd reacts. Because if it was 1-1 and it was going back to Memphis, holy fucking shit, that place would be going absolutely ape shit. But uh, yeah, can't wait for, you know, the next three at least of this one. It's going to be awesome. But yeah, it's definitely a rivalry. So Jez Oz is uh, bang on, but yeah, it's not budding. It's actually just a rivalry. Uh, Spring which without GP2, do the Grizz now have a shot at this series? Yeah, nah, yeah. I mean, he's their best point of attack defender. And if you want to slow down Ja Morant, I mean, there's a reason why he is starting. Uh, So I think it has a big impact. And I think, yeah, the Grizz now easily have a shot at, like, extending this series at least, if not winning it. So, love it. Uh, Other side, can the Heat sweep the Sixers? Yeah, nah, yeah, they can. And I think that's where I'm leaning now. (laughs) <laughs> Poor Sixers fans. But you've just seen the shortcomings of this team like writ large, right? Without Embiid, the sort of uh, extra bonus one on this one is, is this why Embiid's the MVP? You take him away from this team and look at what you've got left. Yeah, nah. Nah. Look, regular season award. Joker probably did more for his team still. Uh, but Philly, they just look like a skeleton crew sometimes. Like, Maxi's doing everything he can. They can sort of hang with the team, but Miami just have, like, the extra sort of uh, weight level that they go to, that higher ceiling, and Philly just don't have it without Embiid. And if Embiid comes back with a fucking bung head, I don't know, it's going to help a little bit, but not like if he was, like, absolutely on fire and coming into that series, you know what I'm saying? So, bit of a tough one, bit of a tough one. What about Bucks celtics I think that just goes seven. Yeah, nah, yeah. Uh, right. Unpopular opinion of the day, really quickly. Can you tell I'm rushing through this because my voice is fucked? <laughs> now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, popular opinion of the day. I don't know if this is that unpopular, but do you think James Harden should opt into his contract for next year rather than doing the opt-out and then signing a new one? 
because <coughs> he might get more money that way. Like if he opts out, plays out next year, just goes, no, 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 see, I'm still good. Convinces uh, the Sixers that, yeah, they should give him the uh, big money or do you just think that he negotiates a contract that's slightly less than the Supermax across the uh, next four or five years? But the way Harden's playing right now, like seriously, do you want to be paying that dude 50 million bucks when he's 36, 37? No fucking chance, right? Like that's crazy. Ugh. Absolutely gross. So yeah, I'll I don't know, it's going to be a fascinating idea about what Harden does now. Cuz there's no way he actually opts in. But if he's sitting there going, right. Well, Philly, I'm not going to opt in. So let's talk uh Turkey about this contract. And Daryl Morey sitting there going, Yes, James, let us talk. Like, how far do you reckon Moray talks Harden down in terms of the max? Because uh, he's not a max player at the moment, obviously. Ugh. I can't wait to see what happens there. Especially if they get swept, right? Oh, but Jimmy, the series doesn't start till the home team loses. Yeah, and they're going to lose next game. All right, quick outback takeout. It's Thursday, and our back, you know what that means? Oh, yeah, two for one blooming onions. That's right, no prick in the knows what the fuck these things are. But, oh, God, if I tried to eat one right now, it'd tear my throat up. <laughs> it's already as bad enough as it is. The problem is, the restaurant shut down this week because of COVID. So, sucked in, no blooming onions for you, and we're not even doing home delivery. It's COVID onions only, and our back, onions for you. Today's Flame Grill take is, Ben Simmons is getting back surgery, just so the Brooklyn Nets... Don't trade him this offseason. Only at Outback. I'm just saying. I know I might not believe that. But uh it's gonna be a lot tougher to trade Ben Simmons if he's just had fucking back surgery, isn't it? Ah, oh, 3D chess, I see. Alright, quick break, be back with Australian Player Watch and an Andrew Gray's Grandmother Award right after. Let's say this. This is Shane Hill, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, Australian Player Watch, quick one today. Aussie Matty T, uh, zero points a game. Uh, Josh Green, zero points a game. <laughs> so, uh, at least Matty T at least scored in game one. Uh, he went 0-2 from downtown, 1-3 from the floor. But today he had zero field goal attempts in his 21 minutes. He had two rebounds, a steal, and a block, and a turnover. He was a minus six. And I think this is the toughest thing for me watching Matisse play at the moment is that I think he was in a bit of a rhythm with Embiid. And now that he's kind of just out there and it's like, no, nah, no, nah, you're a perimeter stopper, Aussie Matty T. And he's like, yeah, I am. And he's there's like a hint of gambling to some of his steals. Uh, there's a little bit where he's like letting the guy go past him and sort of gambling to uh, poke the ball away a little bit more. I'm like, I just want to see you in a defensive stance and keep the dude in front of you, Matty. What is happening? Like, he's still very, very solid, but like the combo of his lack of offense and every time they're sort of pairing him with a big off the bench, like the Sixers offense just fucking craters because nobody on the Heat is like giving a fuck about what Matty's doing on O, right? So... Yeah, it's a big one. So that's why I was pretty concerned after game one where he missed the two threes and you're like, Jesus. Especially the two, like both of them were wide open. You're like, Matty, going to make him pay. So 21 minutes and to have zero field goal attempts is, it's a bit egregious. Uh, Josh Green, same thing goes here. 11 minutes, 
zero field goal attempts. He had two fouls. And uh, one was the uh, Patton and Chris Paul rip through, which I think I tweeted out after. It's like, Greeny, just don't even put your hands in there. What do you think you're going to do? Strip Chris Paul? Come on, mate. <laughs> just stay in front of him. Don't let him do dumb shit to you. And uh, so zero points, obviously, on no field goal attempts. He was a plus three, though, in his 11 minutes, Josh Green, but still a pretty tough loss. Uh Again, same vibes, right? Like, two, he hasn't even looked to take a shot so far this series. And that stinks because the Suns will just throw somebody in there off the bench. Like, a, you know, you've got uh, their campaign, their other, you know, <laughs> he's like an extra ball-handling wing. Uh, but they've also got, like, Sham Wow, Tory Craig. Like, you just need to have, a, like, a crack, Josh, and I think you'll be right. All right, quick Andrew Gay's Grey Mum reward for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Oh, yes. It's the first and you won the Andrew Gay's Grey Mumba. All right, quick Andrew Gay's Grey Mum reward for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Ja Morant. 47 8 8. It was incredible. Uh, the stat everyone was throwing around was the fact that he, uh, LeBron, and Kobe are the only three uh, the only three players to ever have multiple forty five plus point games in the playoffs before turning twenty three. Think about what you were doing at twenty two. It wasn't what Ja Morant is doing. I'm just saying. Uh, but my favorite part was the Andrew Gaze mum, the Great Mumber Award for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. Like the Warriors were up, they're up four with four minutes left in that game. They're up one zip in the series, and it's like, here we go. We're going to take away this series. Fuck you. Foot on the neck time. You got Steph. He's won a couple of MVPs. He's got three titles. Clay Thompson's got three titles, one of the greatest shooters ever. You got Draymond with three titles. Defensive player of the year. Six all-defense defe- all team. They're out there. And Jar just goes, I don't give a fuck. He outscored the Warriors 15-6. To close out the game. 15 in four minutes to six. He's 22. 15 points in four minutes. They take the lead, closes it out, ties up this series, and the dude's 22. That is some Andrew Gay's Grey Mumber Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence Award shit. Right fucking there. Right. Let's do a Penny Mills Game Day Ball Game Day Twitter check-in. Uh, and this is a great one from Jingles because uh, Jingles got something in the mail. From his mate, Josh Hart. And he tweeted out. So you might remember, uh, I talked about this the other day, about how Americans got all bent out of shape because they don't get humor. Because Americans have the collective sense of humor of a fucking cinder block. And Jingles was like, ha-ha, Josh Hart, no one buys your jersey anyway. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, they do. They like Josh Hart. Why is Joe Ingles so mean? <laughs> Josh Hart very clearly took that in stride and sent him a cup, uh, sent him one. Because Jingles tweeted today, no one buys his jersey, so he just sends it to people. Thanks, Josh Hart. Cry laughing emoji. Cry laughing emoji. And a picture of a Josh Hart 11 Trailblazers jersey. <laughs> Jingling Joe Ingles. What a legend. All right, let's do some quick game previews and picks for the weekend. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, Inverted Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. Why is it the weekend and not tomorrow? Well, that's because there's no games tomorrow, Inverted Bane. Really? Yes. 
There isn't. It's weird. So we went three of four on the picks over the last two days, which is really good. The only one we missed out on was the Mavs, uh, plus six and a half, which uh, they're a threat to do for most of the game until that fourth quarter, but still. But yeah, there's no games tomorrow. And then the weird thing is the teams that play today play again on Saturday, and the teams that played yesterday don't play until Sunday. So I think this is the plan. I'm going to do a show Sunday afternoon, which should be good. Should be fun, hopefully. And we'll sort of do what we did today, right? Like wrap up all uh, all four of the game threes from each of the series and sort of look at where the series is at and what it all means. So, uh, so yeah, no show tomorrow. Two games Saturday, two games Sunday. Do a show Sunday, which will be fun. So we're 28 of 53 so far in the uh, playoffs. Playoffs? Uh, which is pretty good. So three or four was a good one over the last couple of days. Uh, but Saturday, the Heat go to Philly for game three. They're, half, they're a half-point favorite. Uh, against the Sixers, and I'm taking Miami because I think they do have a tendency to kind of just crap the bed and let an opposition sort of run over them in a game. You saw it in the Atlanta series, but I think Miami are just like on a fucking warpath right now, and Philly, I don't think Embiid comes back, so not at least for game three, and if he does, it's shell of himself kind of vibes, and going up against Bam at a bio, like... It's just not much fun. <laughs> so I think the shooters of the heat and the size of Butler and like the fact that Butler just wants to destroy the team uh, that he found wanting <laughs> kick their ass and get to another Eastern Conference Finals. I think Miami are going to smash Philly in this one. So give me the heat minus a half point. And then we've got Dallas, a one and a half point underdog at home against the Suns, which I think is a bit crazy. I think Dallas, look, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating vibe, right? So they were pretty good at home. I think they were like 29 and 12. That sounds right. Yeah, 29 and 12 at home. I think they can win that. I think so. Dallas getting one and a half points at home. I'm going to take that. I think they have their one bounce back game in this series against Phoenix. Luka gets just smoking hot. Brunson finds his shot. Spencer finds his shot. And Dallas win one. Because I think Phoenix played about as well as they could uh, to close out these two games in Phoenix. I think Dallas will have at least one of game three or four where they pop off really, 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 really well. And I think having tasted a little bit of success so far and getting through to the second round, I think it's going to be game three. I think they understand. They're at home, a little bit more comfortable. It doesn't really work in their favor or Philly's favor, actually, that these games are so, like, basically it's one off day, then they're at home. So they don't get, like, the advantage in Milwaukee or Golden State where they roll home, get to hang out for a couple of days and then play. But I think Dallas will take that in stride and I think they can win this one. Uh, So give me Dallas plus one and a half on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we've got a 5.30 start for Celtics Bucks. Jesus, 5.30 a.m. Eastern. Watch out. Boston, two and a half point underdogs on the road in Milwaukee. So having just said that and talked about how, uh, you know, the home team has a bit of an advantage of like getting home and actually just hanging out at home, chilling out, whereas the uh, road teams are on the road for an extra day. Chilling, not illing, probably getting up to some mischief. I initially thought I really liked Boston in that one. Smart comes back, gives him a bit of extra time to get back into it. But instead, I'm going to go with Milwaukee on Sunday at 5.30 in the morning because I think Giannis just gets back into a bit of a regular groove, comes out and kicks ass and takes some names and just does a, uh, hey, remember me? I'm the fucking MVP I'm a gun, watch out, 
kind of uh, game. So give me the Bucks minus two and a half at home against Boston. I think their shooters step up. And I think the Bucks, with all their experience, they absolutely understand that, yeah, you've split in Boston. That's exactly what you need to do. You need to then consolidate the split, win your first home game, and away you go. You can't let that one slip away. Uh, so give me the Bucks minus two and a half. I think Giroux plays better. I think Grayson Allen plays better. Like the way the Boston were as, as bad as they possibly could have been, I feel like in game one, the Bucks, like the rest, most of the Bucks in game two, like that went as bad as badly as it possibly could for them. So I think they turned that around as well, the same as Boston in game two. So give me the Bucks minus two and a half in game three. And then Golden State hosting Memphis in San Francisco. This is one of those ones where you look at Golden State in, in the olden days. And they're a little bit more spry. This is the game that Golden State would win by like 28. <laughs> That's not this Golden State though. I'm going to take Memphis plus six and a half because I think the Grizzlies have shown, despite getting fuck all from Desmond Brown and Triple J, that Jar can just run over the top of most of this team anyway and carry them to a win. If they get a little bit more out of Triple J and a little bit of something, something from Bain, or at least Melton or somebody on the road, the Grizzlies can definitely hang with Golden State. So I'm going to take the Grizzlies plus six and a half. And uh, I reckon they could actually win that. So and they'd go up 2-1. I think it would be absolute chaos if they did. So give me the Grizz plus six and a half. I love them. I believe. Let's go. And there you go. So Miami, a half point favorite against Philly. Give me that. Dallas, one and a half point underdogs at home against Phoenix in game three. Taking that. And then Sunday, Milwaukee hosting Boston. Two and a half point favorites taking Milwaukee. And Memphis, six and a half point underdogs in Golden State. Give me the Grizz. And I can't wait to then do the show on Sunday. Hopefully my voice is all right because this has sucked. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My throat is pretty fucking sore. So, yeah, it's all right. Just a sore throat. The good thing is, otherwise, I'm all good. So, yeah, she'll be right. Uh, I just hope that old mate continues to getting better and better and better. Either way, that's it for this week. Uh, No show tomorrow, no show Saturday, but we'll be back on Sunday for you. So that'll be a fun Sunday show. And then we'll do a uh, sort of usual weekend wrap on Monday, I reckon, when we've got a little bit of time to only talk about two games. So uh, back Sunday, wrap up those games. We'll probably do a bit of a quick-ish kind of one. We'll see how we go. But either way, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face the IGs, all over the socials. NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Uh, We'll be doing a big off-season review show in the next week or two once I... uh, Get my voice back proper. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, World Wrestling Australia with Adam. Go check that out on YouTube. FWCIE on Twitter as well. Uh, NBAstraya.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Check us a rating review on your podcast app. Uh, and bang in the code STRAYA when you download the Noble app. Bang that in. You'll get 20% off. How good is that? All right. Uh, big thanks to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. And Joshua Delorentos, Fascinator, Goldmines, Ramshack Alami, Iowa Sex, Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Keep them on uh, Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. All right, we'll close out with a uh, classic cooking with Bainesy for you. We'll catch us on Sunday, I reckon. How good is that going to be? All right, in the meantime, have a good weekend. Talk to you on Sunday. Look after yourselves. And later, now.
Cooking with Bainsey is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainsey with your host, Aaron Bangers Baines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, g'day. Oh, g'day. Oh, look at yourself. Yes, g'day, Cheryl. I always see you down the front. Yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, come on. Set, yeah, settle down. Thanks very much. Yes. Welcome to Cooking with Bainesy. I'm your host, Aaron Bangers Baines. And uh, look, on this here episode, we are going to whip up one of my all-time absolute Aussie favorites. It's going to blow your mind. You can have it whenever. It's an absolute bloody treat. It is the classic party pie. Yeah, that's right. We're going to cook up some party pies for you on this episode of Cooking with Bainsy. Now, I love me some party pies. They're easy as, mate. Definitely helps keep up this physique, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I reckon I probably put away about 40 of these buggers per week, eh? Easy, easy, easy. All right, so, so, so. All right, you ready? So it's bloody simple, mate. Yes, all you got to do is go down to your local soupy and just grab a box of party pies of whatever takes your fancy. Because look, now, I like the round ones and you can get a pack of 24 of patties, but... I do also like the 4 and 20 party pies, which come in those rectangles. They're a bit easier to eat because you can just grab the end and you're not going to burn your tongue. So whatever you prefer, just don't fuck around with the party packs. The sausage rolls are absolutely bloody rubbish. So, now, it's bloody simple. Just uh, preheat your oven to 250 degrees or as hot as you bloody well want. Dump all 24 of your party pies. Don't screw around and only do 12 or half of them or whatever. Put all 24 out there because you're going to eat all of them. Trust me, you're going to eat all of them. When she's all heated up, your oven, put your tray in there. Just, I don't know, look at the back of the package. See that it says 30 minutes. Now, go crack a tin. Sit back. Hang out. Once they're done, grab them out. Load them up with a bit of tomato sauce. And Bob's your bloody uncle. That is awesome, isn't it? Just look at it now. Look, 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 look. This is very important. Give them a second to cool down. You probably have to only bite like the edge of one of them to open it up to, just to see how hot it is. Because otherwise, you'll burn your bloody tongue because the insides of these buggers are like bloody molten lava, eh? So grab yourself another tin. Uh, wait for them to cool down just a little bit so they're not bloody molten lava. Then get your bloody munch on. Oh, oh there you go. Look, oh, look at this one. That's an absolute bloody ripper. The best bit is... These are as good as anything for any occasion. You got mates coming around, party pies. Misses with some of her mates, party pies. Kids' birthday, party pies. Getting home shit faced after a night out on the turps, party pies. Easy. They're just bloody delicious, mate. All right, look, I'm just going to munch in this. And I'll probably cook up enough of them for all of you. Look at this. Here we go. Oh, how easy is that? Love it. All right, so get into the party pies. And that's it for this week. How easy. All right, tune in next week for a new recipe. And we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsey.